Father, we thank you we gathered in your house tonight. We thank you we gathered with your people. Thank you that we have the opportunity to worship and to share uh, some of the stuff not we, that we are doing as a church, but you are doing in people's lives. We thank you for these opportunities, Father God. Father, we thank you for what you're doing as we come around your word. We pray that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit through your word. That, Father, you have something to say to us tonight because your word is a living word. It challenges us, it teaches us, it encourages us. And we're so thankful uh, for that tonight. So, Father, we pray that you'll just bless our word tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. We are coming, this is the final sermon in our Power of Don't series that we started at the beginning of summer and I think we've done 17 or 18 don'ts uh, from, from the Bible uh, and so this is the final one and this is really an appropriate one as we launch into a new season uh, at the beginning of September when everything starts again we've, we've seen some of the stuff tonight the kids and the youth work is back the stuff that makes us a busy church is is starting again uh, obviously we haven't stopped over summer we've just done some different things and stuff and I really got challenged by this word uh, that's from the, the the Old Testament from the book of Zechariah but the first I want to do by way of, of introduction do, do you ever ask yourself questions like can I really make a difference am I really here to make any difference um, second one is it is it worth me getting involved one of the things we do here at church is, is that we're keen on people being involved I mean we simply believe that everybody is able to serve uh, everybody might not be able to preach or lead worship but that's not the only thing we do with serving everybody is able to serve and we, we we try and facilitate that by creating a space where others where everybody basically can find a place to serve in church so you, you, you ever ask yourself that question is it worth me getting involved Maybe you look at somebody else and think, oh, I'm not as gifted as they are. Maybe I couldn't do what they do. So you think, well, is it worth me doing? Uh, the, the, second, the third one, sorry, is it what good is it, is it to even start? Sometimes we look at things and we say to ourselves, she says, well, do, do I need to even start? You know, he says, I'm prone to the old, uh, you know, as people know, I love my grub. I love my food. I know I've lost a, a little bit of weight. That hasn't taken away the appetite for eating. I've just cut down. Instead of eating eight buns, I only eat four now. <laughs> and so you might look at it sometimes and say, what good is it even to start? Maybe the power of the temptation or maybe the power of something that puts you off doing something that you look at it and say, what good is it even to start? Why don't I just stay where I am and think, you know, no, no commitment. Or maybe the last time I tried to get involved or committed to something, it, I failed and it was a, a bad experience and stuff. So you look at it this time when the, what people are asking and saying, look, would you like to do something? And that, what good is it even to start? And, and uh, the fourth one, and probably uh, this is an important one for where we're at, because it's, um, I have nothing to offer. How can God use me? They're thinking of, well, what, what could I do? You know, well, well, you could do a lot, but often we say to ourselves, I have nothing to offer. You know, I, I could never preach, I could never share my testimony, I could never sing a song. Well, that, well, that's okay, but there's plenty to do. There's plenty to get involved with. Everybody has something to offer. I have nothing to offer. How can God use me? And maybe that's a question that, that you have asked. I, I don't believe that we're only just, when God saves us, when, he, when, when our lives are turned around, 
by the salvation of his son that we're just simply there to sit in a seat until we get to heaven and almost well if I could just hang on until I get to heaven I believe we're saved for a purpose I believe that God has something for each and every single one of us to do and so that's why when we get saved and said that purpose is our part of the Christian walk part of the Christian life is discovering that purpose that we have in God and in the Old Testament there was a story I want to look at about the rebuilding of the temple and I want to give just some background here before we look at this thought of uh, don't despise the small beginnings don't despise what God wants to do in our lives at the beginning and the context of this is 70 years earlier uh, Babylon had overrun Israel uh, God's people God's nation destroying their cities tearing down the walls and in Jerusalem the temple was gone uh, the Persians had taken over Babylon King Cyrus called for Zerubbabel who was really the the, the chief counselor he was the one the, the head honcho the one that was in charge and the king told him to take 50,000 people and return to Jerusalem and rebuild this once great city but also the wall and the temple and now people were discouraged because their numbers were small their efforts seemed feeble they asked probably the same questions that maybe people would ask as an individual which is well what good is it me doing something or what good is it us doing something as a church in this community in this place how can what we do make any difference in the lives of people and the people worked hard when the walls were finished they began on the temple uh, apathy set in they were constantly facing opposition from the neighbors who eventually were able to get an order from the persian government basically to stop the building they just ended up being discouraged uh, and discouragement's an awful thing isn't it particularly when you're trying to do something you know when people are telling you yeah, it, it'll not work you know you'll not be any good at that there's nothing worse when your heart and your mind is set on doing something and maybe somebody turns around to you and says what you what you and suddenly your discouragement comes and there's a real defeat in that and there's a real sort of it just causes us to sink because we're people we're, you know we're humans at the end of the day and even in, in, in church work you know even in what we do in church people sometimes what what, what you that you, you you think God can use you you know and and there's that real discouragement and here was where the discouragement was with, with the people because they just got fed up uh, and the problem is when you get fed up your next step is really just to give up you know you get fed up and you think well it's not worth it do you know what I mean it's um, I don't really want to do anything here and stuff so you know so after being fed up and you're discouraged they give up and so for 12 years the temple lay in ruins half started choked by discouragement and they got preoccupied with other pursuits other things that were going on so they missed out on this and uh, and so Zerubbabel comes and he's comforted by these assurances and and and, and these words come in Zechariah 4 Zechariah 4 verse 6 to 10 and it says this it says so he said to me this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the Lord Almighty what are you mighty mountain before Zerubbabel you will become level ground then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it God bless it then the word of the Lord came to me the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple his hands will also complete it then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you 
Who dares despise a day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. And really the thought here is this, because it says this in other versions, is don't despise the small beginnings. Because that's where God always begins, in the small beginnings. It's where we was beginning here, it was where we were starting here. Don't despise the small beginnings. Everything has a beginning. No matter how big something is today, it all started off small. It all started off just in a small way. And you know, the wonderful thing about when we read this and we look at it to the temple, we can actually apply it in the modern day to our lives. Because in a sense, we are God's building project. We are the one that God works in and changes. And he is the one that starts a good work in us. And he works in us until he completes it. Now, how do I know that? Because Philippians 1 verse 6 says this, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Those first two words really sum it up for me. Being confident of this, having this assurance, knowing that it is God that is working in you and me to change us to become the people that he wants us to become. That God has a plan, we are part of that plan, and that plan will be fulfilled. So we mustn't despise the small beginnings. We mustn't despise where the journey begins and for the journey that began for lots of us it's going to be at different points in different places because everything simply has a beginning and here when they said this that these verses in Zechariah I think they laid the foundation for it when they said not by might not by power but by my spirit God says uh, he is the one that does the work it's not about the effort in a sense that me and you put in it's not about how strong we may be. It's not about how powerful we may be. He says it really is about how available we are to him, for him to do a work in our lives. So we do not despise a day of small beginnings. And you see, we wonder sometimes if our efforts are making any difference, because that was the problem here, wasn't it? They looked at it and they were discouraged, and they looked at it and thought to themselves, what's the point of us carrying on? Listen, when God is in it, he always completes what he starts. Whatever he calls us to do in, in our lives, whatever he has given us to do for his kingdom, he always completes it. We hold on to that assurance in the middle of the discouragement, in the middle of everything else going on, because I have learned this lesson in my lifetime and in the stuff that we do here, and this is so important, nothing to do with gifting or talent, but simply this, God calls us to be faithful and not successful. And that is so true, that actually the journey that we are on in our lives is God calls us to be faithful, not successful. And that doesn't mean that we don't do things for God and we're not rejoicing when we see the fruit of our labour and the fruit of what God is doing. But the reality is, is God calls us to be faithful. For some of you, faithfulness could look a totally different, it's different for each and every one of us often say this to people and say, listen, we must never underestimate the power of turning up 
uh, of actually coming along to stuff, of making sure that we are always here. It's so important in the day and age that we live in, and this was touched on last week, that we're rooted and grounded in a local church. That's the truth of it, because that's where we can be faithful. You see, gifted people are no good to a church if they're not committed to the church. You could be as gifted as you want. You can have all the talent and all the ability, but if you're not here, you're no use to the church. And so therefore, you have to look at this and say it's more important to be faithful than it is to be successful. But we begin in the beginning. It's the beginning of it. Don't despise the small beginnings. It was Tim that touched on it this morning. Obviously, God works in our lives in such a slow way, doesn't he? He says, by a degree, we heard this morning, that we sometimes look and say, God, you're not working fast enough. God is neither early, he's never late, but he's always on time. But that's frustrating for us because we look at the situations and the circumstances in our life and we think to ourselves, I wish God would just answer my prayer now. I always tell this story from Bible college because it's taught me a lesson still today. I remember at the end of my first year at Bible college, I was short of my fees uh, for, to, to pay the college and stuff. And I remember, in a sense, it's the only time I've done it. I put what we call the fleece out. You know, that's what we do. I put the fleece out. It says, God, if you don't provide the money tomorrow, then I'm going to have to look at other means to get the money. I'm going to have to look at a student loan. I didn't want to do that because I felt God had called me to Bible college. I felt it was his calling and, and God is no man's debtor. He's in debt to nobody. And I remember I put the fleece out. It was 1995 and I remember I owed £750. I was going to say that was a lot of money back then but that would make me look old. It's a lot of money. Uh, and, and I remember thinking to myself, I thought, God, if you, if you, don't, if you don't turn up and, and, and I get this tomorrow, I'm going to have to do something else. I remember going and at college, had a wee postbox there, and you went, and I looked, was there a wee letter sticking out in my, you know, and there wasn't. And I thought, first I thought, God has let me down. He says, I put the fleece out. I've turned up to Bible college, and I've done all the stuff I'm supposed to do and stuff. So that later on that day, I, I went and did what I needed to do to cover the rest of the cost. The next day, I went to the post. In the post, there was a letter from my home church in Birmingham with £750 in it. I oh, know, that wasn't the words I used. But <laughs> wasn't the, they, weren't, they weren't bad words, like, they were just, you know, <laughs> speaking in tongues. Eh? And I remember it taught me a lesson uh, about God's timing because we get so frustrated with it. We look at it and say, well, God should have answered my prayer by now. You know, God calls. And I realise this, uh, actually, and I never did it. I've never done that ever since because it taught me an important lesson that day, that God always provides. But what God calls us to do is to be faithful, not successful, that the faithfulness is more important that, than anything. These people got discouraged from what they were supposed to do because they looked around and said, oh, there were people putting them off, there were people complaining, there were people doing this, that, and the other. He says, listen, we hold on and we live out the plan of God in our lives faithfully, knowing that it's his plan and he was begun a good work. Uh, and so many are kept out of the service of God because they're waiting for some great thing to do. But do you know what effective ministry and services in church? It's just about doing the small things well. God will never give you the ministry of stacking chairs. 
There is no such ministry. If you're waiting for that calling, you'll be waiting forever. But I tell you what you don't need to wait for, the opportunity to stack chairs. Because that opportunity is always available because there's always chairs that need stacking. And often at times we get like that, we wait and say, well, I'm waiting till the Lord calls me up here to preach. I'm waiting for this moment that I can stand here and everybody will know what my gifting is as I preach and even the Christians get saved because my preaching is so good. <laughs> and often at times that's a way that we do, but most, most ministry, if not all ministry, is uh, the small beginnings, the starting with just doing what needs to be done. That which actually needs to be done rather, because only one person could do this. But actually, lots of people can do what needs to be done as far as church is concerned. Because God calls us to be faithful, not successful. And we need everybody to do what needs to be done. It's not about one person being better. We, 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 in, in this church, we're not a one-man ministry. If you visit here tonight, we'll explain that simply, we're not one man. We're not one person does everything. We're lots of people that do everything. That everything needs to be done. This morning, we didn't have a bus driver to do the bus run today. Somebody volunteered. Just said, I'll drive the bus today. That saved me driving it. He said, all of these opportunities are there within church. And what we do sometimes is this, is we look at it and say, I'm only going to do the big thing. I'm waiting for the big thing to happen. In 1993, I got saved. I went to Portugal with Youth with the Mission. And we were at a meeting in this big town in Portugal. There was hundreds of people there. And obviously the problem was everybody spoke Portuguese, so they had to interpret and do all of those sorts of things. And as I was there, the, the guy was preaching, they were interpreting. I, I wasn't really listening to what the preacher was saying. That's not an excuse. <laughs> I wasn't really listening to what the preacher said. But then he stopped and he did this. He said, he said there are two people here who, who are from Scotland. Now, we weren't from Scotland, but the weed school that we were at was from Scotland. And, and he said, God has set you apart to do a work for him in your life. And he says, the Holy Spirit's going to touch you now. And at that point, and I know people were saying, that's just feeling. Well, you need that as well. But I remember just feeling just the impact of that just here. Just that sense of, Oof, that, that was me. And he says, I want you to come forward now and I'm going to pray for you. Now, I have no idea what he prayed because he prayed in Portuguese. But it must have worked because I'm still here 30 years later. So it must have worked. But I remember when I had that sense of the calling of God on my life, on that evening, and it was a Friday evening, and I had that calling of God. You know, see on the Saturday morning, there was no phone call from a church with 5,000 people in it saying to me, Matt, we heard about the calling you got last night. He says, would you come and pastor our church? There was none of that. He says, why? Because God never works like that. He works in the preparation. And I remember having to go back and then part of the preparation was what we heard, a degree. A degree. I love that we thought, that a degree. Just a degree. Just a degree. And I remember the preparation. And what God was doing is so often what he does in all of our lives. He's calling us to be faithful, not successful. Do you believe in the calling? Well, yes, I did. So do you know what happened? I went home, I went back to Birmingham, and do you know what I had to do? I had to get a job. And I worked in a petrol station. I sat in this petrol station on some days thinking to myself, Lord, I thought you had called me. 
Uh, I mean, there were days I sat there and thought, I did not understand what that fella said in Portuguese. So maybe I've been tricked here. Maybe, I've, you know, maybe he said, and I, I've agreed to it. But I remember sitting there thinking to myself, but God, I got that calling. But what I realized when I looked back was that was all the preparation of what God was doing. And I remember thinking, getting the calling to go to Bible college. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to apply to go to Bible. I applied to go to Birmingham Bible College. And they turned me down. They rejected me. Ah, it's all right, you still bought me as your pastor. So there we go. And I remember thinking to myself, God, have I missed what you are trying to do here? Because I thought, I, why, why? I thought this was the calling that God had, had given me. And, and, but it was all in the preparation. Because God calls us to be faithful, to get his work done. I remember a year later, applying to the Assemblies of God Bible College, and they, they accepted me. And I went off to Bible College and did all of that there. And, uh, and I met Athena, and she's delighted about that. And all of... And I remember I ended up coming here to Belfast. And you're all delighted about that as well, aren't you? <laughs> eh? Yeah, that's good. Here we go. But I remember thinking all the time, God calls us to be faithful, not successful. If I'd have looked at the success of it, I'd have missed it. I'd have given up in the petrol station and said, stop this, that Portuguese fellow was talking nonsense that night. They held on to the calling of God, and that's what we have to do here because we look at it and say we must do the small things. Well, everybody has a beginning in the plan of God. We must not run before we can walk. Uh, and so we look at it and say, well, here we go. What we do as a church is this. We can't help everybody, but everybody can help somebody. What do we do as a church? He says, we do this. We can't help everybody, but everybody can help somebody. Somebody is grieving, or we can help them. Somebody needs some food, well, we can help them if they need food. Somebody needs some baby, we can help them. We can't help everybody, but everybody can help somebody. And this is where we get involved with the individual in need and help the next person that needs to be helped. We're not bringing in a crowd here and saying, we're looking for the crowd and we're looking for 200 people to help. We're looking for the next person because that might be the tool or the avenue that God uses to bring them into a saving relationship with him. And it has been the tool that he has used to bring them into a saving relationship with him simply because he's kind of everybody, but everybody can help somebody. Jesus was the son of God. I mean, I'm not being fit. Every time he spoke, it could have been just to 5,000 people. He really didn't need to waste time on the individuals. He had the power of God working through him. Yet most of the stories we read in the Gospels are of him helping the individuals, of helping the one person out in need who was blind, uh, who, who they were about to stone one day because uh, she was caught in adultery or the, the one person who couldn't walk and his friends brought him down uh, you know, uh, through the roof of the house so he could be because Jesus works with the individuals and so it teaches us a lesson as well that actually who do we help who, who, who's a small beginning for us the next person the person who is next in front of us and needs something Never for us to say, oh no, we're just interested in the crowd. We must never lose sight of the individual in need. It's a story that I love and I've shared this a couple of times over the years. Read about an old man walking along the beach at dawn. Uh, the beach was full of starfish. And there was a young boy ahead of him and he was picking up these starfish and 
throwing them back into the sea because his starfish couldn't get back into the sea by themselves. And the old man watched the young man do this, and there were literally thousands of starfish. Uh, and he watches it and he thinks it's fascinating for him because this young boy, it's like there's thousands, but it's just one at a time throwing them in. So eventually the old man goes up to the young man and he says, Listen, what are you doing? And he says, well, I'm throwing the starfish back into the sea and stuff. They're stranded up here on the beach. He says, and the old man looks at the thousands of starfish there uh, and he goes on for miles. Uh, and he says, listen, how can what you do make any difference? The young man looked at the one starfish in his hand and he threw it into the sea and he says, it makes a difference to that one. It makes a difference to that one. That that's what we're about, isn't it? That's what we have to be about. We focus on the promise, not the problem. The promise for these in the story as they're built was not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God. God is at work. You see, if the problems and the obstacles become the focus, you're defeated already. Oh, we don't have enough people. Oh, we don't have enough money. Oh, we don't have a week. A list of all the different problems that there is. And there will always be problems in what God calls us to do, particularly when we begin something. As it says here, it says there will always be mountains in verse 7, but the promise is that God will level it. That when God calls us, so there'll be problems and obstacles, we hold on to his promises. Why? Because it teaches this truth that actually we never give up. And the time had passed, and you would think the most had given up. And you see, this may be the point where you are at tonight. And you see, when you're ready to give up, you must remember there are two rules. Rule one, when you're ready to give up, is this take one more step. Rule two is this when you don't think you can take one more step, refer to rule one. Because this is where we are, and God has a habit of making things work when everybody says it won't work. What does God expect of us? Well, this. You do what is necessary. Then you do what is possible. And then you let God do the impossible. That's really where we're at. We do not despise a day of small beginnings. I preached this message 16 years ago. There won't be any of you will remember it because mostly you can't remember what I preached last Sunday, but that's okay. I preached this 16 years ago. He had a group of young people in our church. And the heart of our church was to release these young people into ministry. Was that God would use them. That if we don't use our young people, we'll lose them. And before we all start saying, oh well, it's not just... But listen, there are many churches that we know of where the doors are getting ready to close. And we can turn around and give lots of different reasons for that. But one of the reasons is there's no generations coming through. No younger ones coming through. And what we have sort of done here at this church, and we've done it for many years, whether it be through Jackie McCubrey and, and Bob Shaw and all the Sunday school teachers that did all that with the Sunday school. And it carried on. And we want to continue that on. And we did a thing, I think last year, where we did about the relay baton. We passed it on, we passed it on. And we're in that position now where we're ready to pass it on because we don't want to despise a day of small beginnings. He says, we don't want to turn around and say to people, we can't use you because we don't think you're ready. What we want to do is we want to say to people, we want to use you because God wants to use you. Uh, and that's really the key. We have people sitting in here now who, who started that journey uh, and now lead the worship. 
with people that they're not here tonight who we now have on staff at the church who are young people, kids in this church and we preach that same message and I know our church is the heart of our church uh, to make sure that our young people are used in this church this is where this message comes from and I highlight it again tonight 16 years later that makes me feel old but the passion and the vision is still exactly the same because we want there to be a church tomorrow, don't we? We want there to be a church tomorrow. We don't just want to turn around and say it's wonderful all the stuff we're doing for the adults. But we want to make sure that we're saying it's wonderful the stuff that we're doing for the young people, for the teenagers, for the kids. And when they're coming here, it can be noisy. It can be messy. They can eat too many buns. They can stay later than sometimes we want them to, but none of that matters because we're all here. And that's really the key. They're all here. And so we don't want to despise a day of small beginnings of what God is doing in their life. It says we want to be a part of that to encourage them, uh, to make sure that God is using them. And as we do that over these coming months, as we do that over these coming years, uh, through the different people who lead them, we see the plan that God has. Because like the verses we read tonight, we do want, not want to despise the day of small beginnings. Because the end bit there says, because the Lord loves to see the work begun. What God loves is when we start something. Doesn't matter how gifted, it doesn't matter how able, it doesn't matter all the other stuff that goes on. God loves to see the work begin. He loves to see something started that for is his name and for his glory. And that's where we are as a church. That's where we are. We're going to get behind that. We're not despising the day of small beginnings. Because God loves to see the work begin. And you see, tonight, with the final thought is this, is that God works in our lives, and the greatest work that God can do in your life is the salvation of your soul. It is for you to know that God loves you so much, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the cross for you. That's how valuable and precious he sees you as tonight. You see, for that work to begin in your life, you'd have to accept what he has done. Say sorry for the sins you've committed. Say sorry for the things that you've done wrong. And begin that, that relationship with him where you surrender your life and say, God, I want you to begin that good work in me that was spoken about in the verse that we read at the start in Philippians. Because that's where God begins. And so that's the greatest work that God can do in our life. The salvation of our souls. To know that we have looked at everything else in life and said, I can't find the answer there. But the answer is found in Jesus Christ and the work that God wants to do in your life. That's where we're at. Let's take a moment to pray as the worship team come and join us, the platform for the final song. Father, we thank you tonight. Your word always has something to say to us. Do not despise the day of small beginnings for you love to see the work begin. We thank you for the work that you are doing in the lives of people in this church and in this church. We believe our best days are ahead of us. 
We believe, Father God, there are many that are still not part of this church that still have to surrender their lives to you, Father, over these coming months as they come into church through the many different events and activities that are going on, that opportunity presents itself, Lord, for people to get saved. For we want to be the brightest light in this community. We want people to know this is a place where you can get help and this is a place where you can get hope and this is a place where you can find your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, that's what we want to be about as a church. Not just a meeting, just a gathering. Father, but just a place where you are at work and none of us are the finished, complete article because you are still working on us. And you are still working in us. And we do not despise those small beginnings. For all of our journeys begin somewhere. We thank you for that tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen.